Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese culture and history through historical Chinese dramas. We are your hosts, Karen and Kathy. Today, we are going to discuss episode 53 of the story of Minglan or This podcast is in English with proper nouns and certain Chinese phrases spoken in Mandarin Chinese. If you have any questions, please reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter at Chasing Dramas, or else email us at Karen and Kathy at ChasingDramas.com. We would also greatly appreciate if you could leave us a rating on whatever platform you listen to us to. As we usually do, we will start off this podcast episode with a drama episode recap, and then go on to some historical analysis, and finally close off with some book differences. We left off the last episode with Ku uh, Tingye, our main male character, fleeing his uh, new concubine's rooms. He is certainly pissed that his wife, Minglan, did not say anything to stop him. When he returns back to the main bedroom, he is <laughs> exasperated that uh, Minglan is totally just fast asleep. He was hoping that she would wait for him, but no, <laughs> Minglan totally prioritized sleep first. The next morning, Minglan is a little surprised to see Gu Tingye in her bed. As he's holding her, Gu Tingye presses her again on why Minglan agreed to the new concubine. Minglan gave a pretty diplomatic answer with stuff like, we're in a difficult position. I didn't know what the situation was like when I first married over, but now I do. And so I need to make sure that I can handle these threats from our neighbors, aka the evil stepmother, Madame Tin. Don't worry, once everything is more settled, we can just kick her out. <laughs> Gu Tingye is disappointed that Minglan is not jealous at all. And he's like, you know what? We're not sleeping in anymore. Let's get up and go. <laughs> My favorite line of this whole conversation really is that Gu Tingye is like, why do I get the sense that you're not jealous at all? And Minglan says, no, I'm not jealous. Isn't being not jealous a good thing? And Gu Tingye is straight up like, no, it's not good. <laughs> Later that morning, the couple discuss the combining of the Cheng Gardens with the Marquis Manor. This is customary since Gu Tingye is now the Marquis. It will be a political event and both Minglan and Gu Tingye must prepare for all of the theatrics that will take place. Before we talk about that though, can I pause on the scene? What I love about it is the fact that both Minglan and Gu Tingye are actually eating with food throughout the scene. It looks to me that it's one long, continuous shot. I'm staring at that bow that Milan's eating. Look at the one in her hand. It seems to be the same one that she's munching on the entire scene. Why is it so important to me? Well, because we don't get scenes like this anymore. Usually, dramas just cut out the food because the actors or actresses don't want to eat the food, or else there's too many cuts of the scene so it's hard to have continuity. In this scene, 
You can see the steam coming off of the food, so you know that it's fresh and actually being eaten. Now, that's very great for uh, dramas itself, and I respect both um, Feng Shaofeng and Zhao Liyin for actually eating during the scene. But I will point out to you listeners that talking during a meal was actually a big no-no in China. The phrase is called 食不言,寝不语, or not talk while chewing and not talk while sleeping. This was a rite dating all the way back to the times of Confucius over 2,500 years ago. As the son of a marquis and a woman raised by the daughter of a marquis, both Gu Tingye and Ming Lan knew full well of these rules, and they did so in the book. For TV show purposes, many conversations have to take place during mealtimes or at night, otherwise there would be no plot development. However, I do want to highlight that this scene where they're eating and talking would not have happened in real life. Now, back to the scene itself. Gu Tingye then continues to tell Milan the differences he felt for his father and his stepmother. Milan still hasn't quite figured out what Gu Tingye wants to hear and kind of just says, I respect you and love you. Gu Tingye hears this and is like, oh my god. Still exasperated, he leaves and heads to court. <laughs> Milan is quite perplexed, but doesn't have much time to ponder Gu Tingye's current state as she has to plan for the banquet. Her maid, Xiao Tao, brought back some desserts that are very tasty, and Milan asks to have these desserts ready for the banquet. That decision, unfortunately, comes back to bite her. And now it is banquet time. A slew of guests have arrived to the new Gu family manor, which means that there will be plenty of gossip, barbs, and passive aggressiveness traded. Of the most notable to have arrived includes Minglan's sisters Hua Lan and Mo Lan. There's also Madame Wang and her sister Madame Kang. The web of individuals determined to harm Minglan in this little soiree quickly reveal themselves. Minglan originally did not plan for Muolan to be invited, having devised a rather interesting plan with her husband Gu Tingye to have Muolan's husband and mother-in-law be away for the invite. But Madame Tin, Minglan's uh, evil stepmother-in-law, individually sent Muolan an invitation. I'm not entirely sure how Madame Tin knows Minglan doesn't have a great relationship with uh, Muolan. Maybe from all the information that Madame Kong shared during their gossip sessions, but clearly Madame Tin knew that having Muolan over would cause some troubles for Minglan. Shortly after, Madame Shen makes her way over to meet Minglan. Madame Shen, for those that need a reminder, is the young Duke Qi Hung's new wife. She's been jealous and sad at learning that her husband is probably still in love with Minglan and so is not here to purely exchange pleasantries with her. 
No. She is on a passive-aggressive mission to, at minimum, annoy Milan. Why do I say this? Madame Shen opens her mouth and calls Minglan Shen Shen, which means aunt. On the surface, this can seem like a respectful name to call Minglan, but she is immediately aging Minglan significantly, which is a slight to any woman, I guess. Minglan is a little taken aback by this woman whom she's never met before, calling her aunt. She immediately is on her guard the moment it is announced that she is actually the family of the house of uh, the Duke of Ti. Notice that Minglan does not reference Ti Hung whatsoever in acknowledging Madame Shin. Instead, Minglan says, Oh, you're from the princess's family, or Yuan Lai Shi Qun Zhu And this princess, or Qun Zhu means Princess Pingying, or Ti Hung's mother. We continue to see that uh, Madame Shen is not here to make friends when Minglan tells Madame Shen that there's no need to keep calling her aunt as their marriage relations are quite distant, and it's embarrassing to call her aunt as well. But in the very next sentence, Madame Shen continues with calling Minglan aunt, blatantly ignoring her request. Upon sitting at the table, Madame Shin immediately turns the conversation to how she is unable to make her husband smile and whether or not Minglan has any thoughts on this. Minglan's maids try to get her out of this conversation with a fake excuse that is immediately shut down by Madame Shin. Stuck, Minglan answers Madame Shin and goes on the offensive. She says that men have aspirations and ambitions to help the government and court. Tsi Hong is certainly focused on the various matters at court. Importantly, listen to this, Ming Lan calls Tsi Hong Hongker, which is generally what older family members call the children of the family. Ming Lan has never called Tsi Hong Hongker to his face. In the next breath, Minglan also asks whether or not Madame Shen agrees with her, but she calls Madame Shen niece-in-law. This wipes the smile from Madame Shen's face. See, Minglan is not having it. Madame Shen wants to age her. In doing so, Minglan is happy to return the favor and put Madame Shen in her place. Minglan continues, as long as you kids are happy, then us elders are happy. Minglan's maids can't conceal their snickering at Minglan's words, while Madame Shen feels the humiliation being aimed right back towards her. Actually, I don't even understand why Madame Shen did this in the first place. Does she not realize aging someone always puts you on the, uh, the lower pedestal because you always have to respect your elders? Yeah, I, I would say this... Scene. I couldn't tell if Madame Shen was smart or not because she saw through Minglan's lie and I feel like she came somewhat prepared, but then also was easily, I guess, diffused or put in her place. Yeah. Well, as the words continue to escalate, Minglan turns to look outside at the yard and sees Mo Lan. 
She immediately understands that Mualan must have been chatting with Madame Shin and shared probably plenty of her past secrets. That must be why Madame Shin is here. With this split-second realization, Mualan changes her tone and words. She understands that Madame Shin is here because of Milan's past with Qi Hong. And so, Milan shares her rather personal struggles with Madame Shin in the hopes that she will understand that it's currently not easy for Milan to run the Gu household. What Milan is trying to tell Madame Shin is that there are too many challenges in the world as a woman. If they continue to make it more challenging for themselves, then women will really struggle to survive in in their world. Milan currently is hedging that Madame Shin came to be difficult to Milan because she's probably having marital troubles with Ti Hong, and the only target of her frustration is Milan. But with these heartfelt words, Madame Shin is a little taken aback as well by the honesty. At this point, listen, she calls Milan Furin which just means madam, rather than shen shen, which means aunt. Now, for the rest of the conversation, she's not trying to humiliate Milan anymore. When Minglan leaves uh, this conversation, she actually sends away most of her other maids and quietly tells her headmaid or closest maid, Xiao Tao, to find Qi Hong to meet her. At this point, especially after having just been through that conversation with Ti Hong's new wife, Minglan feels that she must step in to speak openly with Ti Hong. It's pretty obvious that hers and Ti Hong's past has escalated to the point that even his new wife knows about it. This is not healthy for any of them and may cause additional drama down the line for everyone, so she requests this meeting. But Ti Hung, though, did not realize that this meeting was not going to be pleasant. He ran over to the part of the ground that Minglan was impatiently waiting for him with his eyes full of hope. The two probably have not seen each other in over a year, in person at least. And the moment he is close enough to speak to Minglan, continues to call her by uh, or call her as sixth younger sister, or Liu Meimei, just as he did when they were studying together. He is still in love with her as he tries to tell her to continue to call him Yuan Ruo, which is uh, his personal name. Minglan, though, is not here for the pleasantries. She is here to break Ti Hung's heart once and for all. In this conversation, she begins by being extremely distant and cold towards his attempts at small talk, and then continues emphasizing that he should call her aunt, as that's her station or her relation to him now by marriage. He's taken aback by this. She then continues by sharing that she is willing to exchange all she currently has, her wealth, status, the carriages, the grounds, the titles, everything just to trade for her mother's life again. She is willing to do anything to get her back, but Minglan understands that her mother will never come back, and so she has to continue living. Time that is gone will never come back. She is married, and so is he. 
the hope is that through her words, he will understand that they need to keep on looking forward and not continuously look back towards the past. To these words, Ti Hong finally lets out his frustration. He turns and pounds his hands on the bridge railing where they're standing. He shouts that every day he regrets what happened. He wishes he proposed earlier. He wishes he ignored his family's refusal. He wishes he didn't act such that the prince's daughter took notice of him. He wishes that all of that didn't happen. To this, Minglan says she understands. Fate played with both of them. At this point, Si Hong is shedding tears, and I think later Karen and I will share our thoughts. He hopes that Minglan will not hate him or be upset with him. Oddly, when Minglan says that she does not hate him and is not angry with him, Si Hong becomes more angry. Why doesn't she hate him? The implication is that she didn't have strong enough feelings for him that would make her angry and sad. He continues to press her. Has she ever thought about her current husband the way he thought of her? Has she cried all night thinking of her current husband the way he has cried all night thinking about her? She hasn't. And Ti Hong is the one making this declaration. At this point, Ti Hong is so emotional that he actually grabs Minglan's shoulders. She quickly pushes herself out of his grasp and storms off. After a few steps, she turns back and angrily tells him that she also never cried all night for him. This is a blow to Ti Hong. This is the first time he's hearing from her that she probably didn't really love him. Milan then questions his motives at court. He constantly criticizes her husband at court. Has he ever thought if it was for her or for his own frustrations? She point blank asks Ti Hong, has he ever thought about how this would affect her at home? As Ti Hong pauses to think about his true motives, Milan again tells him that everything between them has already ended. The only person that has not moved on is him. With that, Minglan promptly turns around, leaving a heartbroken Sihong alone on the bridge. The episode ends with Minglan returning to the banquet fully aware that she hurt Sihong, but recognizes it's for the best. I'm so glad that Minglan had this conversation with Sihong because clearly the two conversations that Sihong had with Gu Tingye didn't really have an impact or at least the impact that Gu Tingye was hoping it would. Eh, I take that back. At least Ti Hong recognizes where he failed and is regretting it. Ti Hong was still holding out hope for Minglan, but honestly, what the heck is he thinking? Uh, that they have an affair or something? What was he expecting? It's not like he isn't married, but I guess in his mind, it doesn't matter as long as they are madly in love. He also didn't put two and two together at the very beginning of this conversation where Minglan was like, I'm risking my entire reputation on this conversation. He's like, oh my God, I get a singular you know, meeting with Minglan. I'm so excited. He's not 
recognizing that this could ruin her entire life just by like if they were ever caught together. Ji-hong is clearly still too selfish and childish to understand that his actions and feelings have an impact on other people and usually in a negative way. He is also too selfish into thinking that just because he feels one way that the other person should return those feelings. Minglan has already moved on because she is super practical. Like what is she married. expect? Yeah, I know. They're rem- married to other people. What what can happen? Ji-hung, unfortunately, is just too much of a romantic to realize that the realities of society that they're currently in prevents Minglan from waiting for him. At least now, he will have had his dream fully shattered and hopefully stop causing issues for other people because he can't get over a breakup. Importantly, Gu Tingye saw, I think, half of the conversation between Minglan and Ji-hung We'll see how he reacts in the next episode. I also do want to point out that it is frustrating. Mualan was the one to kind of hint that there might be something going on. Mualan clearly wanted Gu Tingye to blow up at Minglan and, you know, maybe destroy that marriage. So she is always not a, uh, a good person to have around. <laughs> Before moving on to the historical analysis, we glossed over the introduction of some new characters. At the beginning of the festivities, Gu Tingye is greeting his good friend Shen Guozhou, or the brother of the empress. This man arrives with his wife, Madame Zhang. Gu Tingye is pleased to see him and his wife, but suddenly another person shows up. This person is Shen Guozhou's concubine. This is actually quite a humiliation for Madame Zhang and Shen Guozhou. We've said time and again that concubines are not to be present for social events. They're seen as servants to please the husband or head of the household, and they have no standing here. But for this specific concubine, uh, she has some special circumstances. She's rather arrogant and does not think that she's out of place being at this banquet. We'll see this escalate further in the next episode, and we'll see who she actually is um, as described by other characters in the show. Additionally, this Madame Zhang, who is the daughter of the Duke of Ying, begins to develop an unsavory opinion towards Minglan after hearing the ladies gossip in the hall with Madame Qin. Minglan's stepmother-in-law and Madame Kong, Minglan's aunt with no blood relation. This pair tell a number of lies to paint Minglan in a bad light that is easily believed by listeners, so Minglan will unfortunately have to deal with that soon as well. What's interesting about this conversation or the show that Madame Xin and Madame Kong put up is they never actually outright lie. They stretch the truth, they bend it to tell their own narrative, but whatever they say is never actually an outright lie, right? That's the the danger of these type of women, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, for example, Minglan tasted new desserts from Xiao Tao that were brought from uh, a new restaurant, and she wanted to serve them for the banquet. Madame Qin, though, says, you know, 
my current daughter-in-law doesn't really know what she wants and she kind of wants to do her own thing, which is why the desserts here aren't as good as the ones I usually serve. I mean, that's not an outright lie. Milan decided to serve new desserts, but Madame Tian twisted those actions to serve her own purpose. Madame Tian and Madame Kang really, really know how to uh, twist truths to serve their own purpose. And unfortunately, it looks like Madame Zhang has fallen for their trap. All right, that was episode 53. We will see more drama that happens at this little party that Minglan has uh, hosted. Moving on to some historical analysis, let's check out a couple of idioms or historical references from this episode. The first one is The translation is the full moon will wane the full water will spill. The expression represents that when something is at its pinnacle, it will inevitably fall. The first variation of this phrase appeared in Zhou Yi or Yi Jing or the Book of Changes. It's a classic book of divination and compiled during the late 9th century BC. This phrase was spoken by Madame Shen uh, in her conversation with Minglan and was posed pretty much as a direct threat or at least a uh, veiled kind of threat slash warning. Madame Shen states that Gu Tingye's power is at its apex right now and that Minglan should be careful of what might befall them because they're so high up. That's a very bold statement to make, especially to someone's face in a first conversation. If you look at the scene, Minglan's maids in the background are also worried of what they just heard. I would say it is quite improper for Madame Shen to threaten Minglan this way, especially since Minglan has done nothing to her except maybe be the object of her husband's affection. Next up is the idiom Huang Liang Mengxing or waking up from the foxtail dream or yellow millet dream. This idiom is used by Madame Shen when Minglan tries to persuade her to stop turning her frustrations to other women, AKA her. Madame Shen worries what will happen when she confronts Qi Hong. Perhaps she will wake up from a dream where she uses the phrase Huang Liang Mengxing. So the idiom or uh, the origins of the story actually come from the world inside a pillow, a story that was written by Shen Ji during the Tang Dynasty, and it takes place around the early 8th century AD. In the story, a Mr. Lu meets the wandering Taoist monk Lu at an inn and laments his current destitute situation. 
The monk offers a porcelain pillow for Mr. Lu on which to sleep. While Mr. Lu is sleeping, the inn started to make gold millet. In the dream, Mr. Lu dreamt of vast wealth, prestige, and riches. However, once he woke up, he realized that it was all a dream and the gold millet wasn't even ready to serve. Hence the story of Huang Liang Yimeng, or the dream of the golden millet. It represents the dream that is but a fantasy of the desires of the dreamer who will inevitably wake up. Sometimes that dream takes place only in the span of uh, the time it takes to cook some millet. Madame Shen in our episode wants to believe that there is an opportunity with her husband, but worries that even that desire is just a dream. And finally, let's talk about Si Si Liu Ju, or the four divisions and six bureaus. This is the uh, group of people that Milan refers to about uh, the preparations for today's banquet. During the Song Dynasty, when uh, royalty or noble families wanted to uh, have a banquet, they would use the four divisions and six bureaus. The four divisions include Zhang She Si, which is the events and planning and decorations division, Chu Si, which is the kitchen division, the Cha Jiu Si, the tea and wine division, and the Tai Pan Si, or the serving division. The Liu Ju, or the six bureaus, refer to the Guo Zi Ju, or the dried fruit and nuts bureau, the Mi Jian Ju, or candied fruit, or it could be actually Mi Jian Ju, or candied fruit bureau, the Cai Shu Ju, or the vegetables bureau, the Yu Zhu Ju, or the lighting division, the Xiang Yao Ju, the fragrances division, and the Pai Ban Ju, or the arrangement and scheduling division. So all of that was uh, required for hosting a banquet, which actually, you know, covers a lot of a normal, let's say, grand event. So yeah, it was pretty well documented which bureau and which division did what, and usually you had um, a si si liu ju to support you for these grand events. All right, that covers it for history today. I will only touch briefly on book differences as the drama vastly deviates from the book. In the book, Milan does not confront uh, Qi Hong about um, the current situation at court. Because as I've said, Qi Hong doesn't really uh, criticize or go toe-to-toe against Gu Tingye uh, at court. Minglan also has a much better handle of the banquet than you'll see she does in this episode and the next episode. I think they, the drama wanted to highlight um, a lot of the complexities between the various factions, um, both politically and within the Gu family here. So I think they made Minglan seem a little out of her depth uh, for this banquet, but that is not the case in the book. 
And that is it for today's podcast episode. Uh, if you haven't already, please go on ahead and check out our website, www.chasingdramas.com. I have just put up our new latest drama review of Hu Zhu Furen or Novaland Pearl Eclipse on there. Take a look if you want to get some thoughts, if you've already watched it and want to uh, provide your own thoughts and see where they differ from mine, please go ahead and let me know by messaging us or emailing us. Happy to hear what you guys thought. There are certainly plenty of ways you can watch Chinese dramas, but we are always suggesting that you take a look at Jubao TV if you are in the U.S. Uh, that is a free service that has a selection of Chinese dramas and movies to watch. And you can stream it through the website Jumao or else access it on TV if you have Xfinity or Cox Contour, again, in the United States. The music you heard is a zither piece called Lan with sheet music by Bing Jiu Won Yu Jun and played by me. We will catch you all in the next episode.